0: Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. So, where do we leave off? We left off in Romans chapter 5. We've, we've learned some stuff. We've learned to start actually in, in chapter 3. We've been learning that the Apostle Paul is, is building a case. He's ironing out this question that we have, and this is the question I've presented to you Are we saints or are we sinners? Come on, by now, you're getting it. You're getting it. You're seeing it in the Word. We're going to see it in the Word for the next few weeks as well. Absolutely. We're saints. We're not sinners. Jesus did something significant. We started again, Romans 3, uh, with this simple truth. Everyone has sinned everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, sin, by definition, is missing the mark, missing the mark of God's perfection. I think when you look at it in that way, you realize, oh, I feel like Isaiah. Isaiah stands before God. Oh, woe is me. I'm a filthy sinner. Like, when I expand the definition to what it truly is, missing the mark of God's perfection, I feel like, oh, like, I'm in trouble. I need help. I need Jesus. I need to straighten it all out. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. By definition, we talked about the glory uh, could be defined, as we saw through Moses, as the goodness of God on display in our life. We've all fallen short of the perfection of God and the goodness of God on display in our life. That's a primary foundational point that we've got to jump off of. We also learned that we're not just acquitted of our crimes, but we've been justified. Do you remember what that means? Justified? Come on, you're so good. Way better than first service. They were still asleep. I had John Mark. I had to silence him. I was like, no, no, you're, you're too good. What, what about the rest of you? you know? So this service, he's able to be alive and well and fully himself. So he's good. He's like, thank you, Jesus, for freedom. So it's was good. Yes, we've been made just as if we have never sinned. That's so significant. That's so significant because it changes everything. You know, I, I haven't been, I'm not just a sinner, you know, engaged in the, the practices of the world, the, what the Bible calls the deeds of the flesh. And, and God then acquitted me saying, Well, you're not really guilty when I was. Like, it was more than that. I was made just as if I had never sinned. That takes it to a whole new level. Like, I just haven't been acquitted. I'm still a sinner. What he did was more than taking my punishment, he actually transformed my identity. That's a big deal. Are we alive? We good? We're distracted by the door? Is that what we're doing? Todd, sit down and close the door, man. I'm losing people. I'm losing people just because it's not your week, okay? Right? You see what he's doing? He's just, he's trying to, he's like, I'll get him. I'll just strike, I'll make sure everyone knows he's the better speaker. That's what he's trying to do. Yeah. Bar that, Katie, bar that thing. Tell them they can't come on time. They can't come. God bless all of you. You did so good today. You did so good. (laughs) <laughs> yes, we've been justified just as if we've never sinned. He didn't just take our punishment. We've been transformed. You know, He's taken our sin and he's removed it as far as what? As far as the east is from the west. He's washed me with his blood. I'm now white as snow. I'm white as snow. He's given me his robes and clothed me in righteousness. Now I am the righteousness of Christ Jesus. How many of you remember what our righteousness was? Filthy rags. To be specific, I think it was the New King James or Modern King James Version. It says filthy, like dirty menstruation cloth. That's where we get the term rag from. Now you know. There's a lot of stuff that comes from that scripture you didn't know. You just thought it was from your worldly days. No, they got it from us. <laughs> I, I, that, that raises that whole thing to a new level for me. You know, that's not like I was cleaning the car and I've got a few dirty rags I need to throw in the laundry. That's a whole new level of you're disgusting. (laughs) Right? I mean, he was setting the bar and telling you this is where you were, but how many of you know that's not where you are? Your righteousness was of filthy rags, but now your righteousness is Christ. You are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. There was something that was transformed in you, something significant was released to you, and God no longer remembers your sin. How many of you wish that you could not remember yours? Ask Him. If He doesn't remember, why should you? Think about that. If God doesn't remember your sin any longer, why should you? Ask Him to remove the tape, ask Him to burn up the reels of tape. Burn up that history in my mind, that history, the the, the negative stuff that's still in there. Not the stuff that shaped you. That's fine. That's God. God works all things for good. But still the negative things that cause you to go, ask him to burn it all up. He doesn't remember it. Why should you? Do you know his mercies are new every morning? You're like, oh, he doesn't remember my other sin, but he remembers today. Just go to sleep. (laughs) He, He forget all about it in the morning. His mercies are new every day. And all of this, we found out in Romans chapter 4, is apprehended by faith. You know, we, we extend our faith. We believe it. We believe it before we see it. We understand you're the Son of God. This is what you did. You came away to take, my, you, you came to take away my sin. You come, came to release, which we'll look at again today, sozo on me and the world. We believe it by faith. It's apprehended by faith. And then we jumped into Romans 5, where we learned that we have the peace of God. That God has released peace to us. We have peace with God. We've been reconciled in relationship. There's no longer enmity between he and I, he and me, we, us, those people. I don't know. Grammar, please. You can deal with it later. (laughs) I'm not an enemy of God. I've actually been saved. When I was saved, I was saved from his wrath. I'm no longer subject to the wrath of God. So when we see the wrath of God being poured out in the scriptures, we know that's not me. I'm not going to experience that. My wife was teaching last week and brilliantly tied the wrath of God to the punishment of God. Now, allow that to settle in just for a second, especially those of you who had an angry, punishing father. We are at peace with God. We are no longer an enemy of him. God has satisfied the punishment, his punishment of sin. He's not a God carrying a big stick just waiting for you to screw up so he can whack you and laugh at you. He's a father who comes alongside and says, no, son, daughter, let me show you a better way. Let me show you my ways, my kingdom ways. Now walk in it. He's not looking to strike you down and beat you. He's the long-suffering, slow-to-anger God who has already paid a price for your punishment. He's satisfied it. You will not have to experience the wrath of God being poured out in your life. We have gotten a hold of the peace. And it says, if in his death, how does it say it exactly? It says, if we were in the likeness of his death, help me out, I'm thinking about it. In the likeness of his death, if we were reconciled to him in the likeness of his death, it says, how much more will we be sozoed in his resurrection? That's the word sozo. Remember what that word means? Sozo? Talk to me. Saved, healed, delivered. You know, the, the human beings are triune beings. Is that right? We are spirit, soul, and body. Three parts. You're, you're, you know, reach over and pinch your neighbor. Come on, you can do it. There you go. There you go. If you're, there you I see you two ladies looking at each other. Get on in there. Pinch her. Get her. Slap her just a couple of times. Tell her, say, Jesus love you. Bam. Can get her. Okay, all right. N- Nico's an island out there. Somebody's going to have to pinch him later. Get after him, you know. Body is easy. Soul is easy, right? That's our emotions, our personality. It's the expression that you see out here. It's kind of you know, what you would describe. If you would describe me, you're probably describing my soul, spirit. I'm connected with God. Jesus did all three. He dealt with all three. The most dominantly translated word for salvation in the entire New Testament is the word Sozo. It was translated that way 120 times and the other two forms of, of salvation as it's translated actually find their root in the word sozo. How many of you know Jesus died for you, spirit, soul, and body? Yeah. Right? He, he released to you absolutely everything that you need. Isaiah 53 says that, of course, one, by his stripes we were healed, right? How many of you know you don't get healed when you go to heaven? Wait a second, that's different than what I've been taught. No, you die. <laughs> you die to go to heaven. You don't get healed. The only thing you need to get healed is your body. That dies before you go there. So where does healing come in? Now! He died for you now so that we can step into heal. Just heard a cancer testimony. Come on, get him, Jesus. No more cancer. No more cancer. Cancer-free zone. Just believe with me. A sickness-free zone because Jesus paid everything for you to encounter him and be saved, spirit, soul, and body. Isaiah 53 tells us additionally that, by, that our, wound, our emotional wounds, he carried them. That my emotional pain, that he carried it to the cross and he buried it in that tomb. What does that mean? That means I don't have to continue to suffer in addiction and pain and propensities that drag me into sin any longer. That means it, it doesn't matter what side of the tracks I was born on or how terrible my parents are. It doesn't matter how much baggage I brought into the kingdom. It doesn't matter how jacked up my relationships were. Once I crossed this threshold into salvation, and I say, yes, I apprehend everything that you did by faith. I am now stepping into an empowerment to walk in a new way, to experience him and encounter him in a way that addresses even all of that stuff. How many of you know Jesus Christ did not leave you abandoned to your old nature such that you continued to strive in knowledge of his goodness and his righteousness, ever failing to actually attain it? That that's not the state that he left you in. When he died, he released empowerment to you to be able to walk victoriously. It says, now no, no temptation. Like, no temptation. You're experiencing nothing except what is common to man, and in everything that you're tempted in, he will now provide a way of escape. What does that mean? It means you don't have to do it anymore. Like, oh, this is what I've always done. So stop it. Because he's empowered you. you need a, like, we have to step into this. Spirit, soul, and body means I now can step into the renewing of my mind. That he's paid a price for me to be empowered, even in my mind. Some people that come into the kingdom, they have a history full of all kinds of drugs, and they're all messed. Some people feel like they're dumb. I don't know how many people I've talked to. They're like, I'm not really that smart. Guess what? You have the mind of Christ. If Jesus redeemed you, spirit, soul, and body, how many of you know he provided a solution for you and the drugs that you took before the cross? He's provided a solution that brings restoration to you. And the Bible says that He has given everything that we need for life and godliness. Life and godliness. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have abundant life. Is he just, is he just jacking with us? Or is that real? Is that black and white scripture? Good one. Or red in your study Bibles. I love that they chose red. It's like the blood of Jesus, you know. His words are life. Yeah, he came that we have life. I have given you everything that you need for life and for godliness. Let's look at it, 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his excellence. I want you to let that settle deep just for a minute. He's given you everything that you need for life. What does that mean? What do I need for life? Think about it just for a second. Jesus paid a price on the cross to release to you everything that you need for life. Man, you know what we need? We need, we need friendships. We need, we need people that love us. Did you know what Jesus paid for that on the cross? It says that the chastisement of our well-being, that's the word shalom, was upon him. That's Isaiah 53, one of my favorite scriptures. The chastisement, the punishment of our shalom, the punishment of our well-being was upon him. The word well-being can be defined as well-being in every part of your life. Well-being in your relationships with other human beings. Well-being in your finances. Any of you need need finances for life? I do. I got to put food on the table for those babies. Right? He says, I've given you everything that you need for life. I've paid for it with my blood. Is there anything this cross didn't touch? Do you know the word shalom that's well-being in every area of life that it actually extends corporately to our nation? It says peace from war. Boy, it's time for us to take God seriously and begin to pray for those in authority over us. That it may what? That it may go well with us. I wonder why the world seems like it's going to hell in a handbasket. The church has stopped praying. By the way, first Mondays. Cha-ching. See what I did there? he's provided everything that we need for life and for godliness. What does it mean that he's provided everything that we need for godliness? What does godliness mean? It means to be like him. It's talking about his character. You know that Jesus provided everything in his cross and resurrection that you need to be godly, to be like God, to exhibit his character? This is what it says in the Word. Now, we've been chewing on this question, like, like, did anything change? Did anything change because we were justified? Have we, has God kind of, kind of left us abandoned in this place where we're endlessly seeking after that which is good, his, his righteousness, and always falling short until finally we graduate to heaven? Or did something change? Has he released this? Like, has, has something shifted from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Can I submit to you that absolutely everything has changed? Everything has changed. The cross touched everything. There's no stone in your life that was left unturned. He released provision for everything. He really does have a plan for you that's good to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. And he's, he, he sealed it on the cross that day. And he released that sozo life to you, resurrection life, spirit, soul, and body. That every element, every piece of your life, the way that you think and operate, the way that your body uh, operates, because now the Holy Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead can quicken your mortal bodies, it says. He's released to you everything that you need to empower you to be godly. He is like, you are no longer sinners. You're saints. Well, we've got to get a hold of that. What do sinners do? They sin. Don't give yourself an excuse. That's not who you are. Give yourself an excuse to set the bar a little higher. Why? Because he has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. Nothing was excluded. So set the bar higher. You can do it. I guarantee you. If it wasn't so, he would not have said Verse 4, for by these, I think he's largely talking about his goodness and excellence, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. This is fascinating. Like, this is, this is like, I think this is one of the most powerful truths of the whole scripture as it relates to what Jesus did. I'm no longer just a tormented sinner looking for my escape. It says here that if I'm a born-again believer, there was a supernatural transaction that happened, not eventually, but immediately upon my yes to him. It's not something I have to grow into. The moment I said, yes, I believe something supernatural happened on the inside of you. And it says we've become partakers of his divine nature. The word partakers in the Greek means that we're sharing his nature or we're actually taking his nature on us. What shifted in our justification? Everything shifted. He changed your identity. Thayers defines the, the word nature like this. You can see it on the board there. The sum of innate properties and powers by which one person differs from another. Distinct native peculiarities or natural characteristics. How many of you know there are two natures? There's a, there's, a, there's a human nature and there's God nature. Did you know that you were born with a human nature? This is telling us that you were born again with God's natures. God's nature. Are we a sinner or are we a saint? I can tell you right now, I'm a saint. Why am I a saint? Because Jesus bought me spirit, soul, and body. And when I said yes to that, Romans 4, when I apprehended that by faith, a supernatural transaction took place where I wasn't restored in my human nature, I was given a new nature, a divine nature, where I was able to actually put Him on and begin to walk in His ways. When we think of nature it, it brings up the question you know, nature versus nurture right that's been that's a, that's a, that's a, one of the human race questions we've had it as long as probably we've been on the planet you know are we are we more influenced by by by, nur- by nature which means like our, largely our dna you know i was born with these factors or whatever or am i more influenced by nurture there's no question it's both there's no question it's both but how many of you know you were born a certain way? You were given a personality by God. I, I didn't choose this personality. I pro- like, if he just like if he put out the smorgasbord, uh, like if I really had to choose, I'd probably be like, which one's less painful? Oh, the S personality, D I S C, four main personality. Like the S one, they're like steady, they don't rock the boat. Like everybody loves them and they're sweet. I think I picked that one, Lord. No, you just decided to make me a D instead. So, you know but I don't remember getting a choice. Did you get a choice? No, so you were born with it. That's your nature. Your, your personality, while it could be influenced, even tainted by nurture, what you have as a personality was what you were given by God. Have you ever seen Josiah, my little guy? He's, I, like, he literally, from the moment he started walking, I was like, what is this? This kid is incredibly athletic. I've never seen anything like it. Now, I know. don't let me deceive you. I know, it's, I know it's hard to believe, but I'm not a sports guy. You know, I mean, you know, I did it because that's what all the cool kids did. and Make no mistake about it, I was cool about it. This you know, a long story. <laughs> but, but like, you know, some guys talk about sports. It's, I'm lost. I have no. Idea. I've got a guy in the gym. He was always, like, hey, how about the Chiefs game? And he's talking about. I have no. I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea what he's saying. I'm like, I don't know those people. I don't know that. Whatever he even is, I don't. Says, oh, I, this, I, that, I'm not a sport. So where in the world did Josiah get his abilities from? The other day there was a coach I happened to overhear him at the high, at the high school. We were there for an event, and and I literally heard him say to another coach, "Oh my gosh, did you see that kid?" They said, "Is he in gymnastics or something?" No, listen, he hadn't been in gymnastics a day in his life. He came doing flips out of the womb. He, he, like, he, like, have you seen, like, the Black Widow, the movie? Like, he flipped out of the womb, and he's like, whatever her little thing is, that was Josiah, he was like, I'm ready to go! Like, did that, that kid literally just walk out of the room immediately? Is he doing flips? I figures know what I'm talking about. Where did it come from? It didn't come from Misty or me. He got it from God. He got it naturally, direct from God. Your nature Your nature comes from God. We think about DNA. (laughs) We're born with a certain set of propensities, gifts, and talents. Brian Simmons of the uh, Passion Translation, he speaks of these verses and and responds thus. He says, We are given birth by the Holy Spirit to God's true sons and daughters, and every father imparts his DNA DNA and nature to his children. The Greek word phusis, meaning nature, is taken from the word phio, which means to give birth, to produce, to bring forth, or to grow up. How many of you know Christ lives on the inside of you and you are being transformed into his likeness? But the reason that's possible is because you weren't just adopted and shaped by nurture. You were adopted and grafted in, remember this, just as if you had never sinned. What does that mean? It means when I was adopted and grafted in, I was made just as if I had never been separated. That means that the blood that's running through my veins is now his blood. Right? We sing the songs. Did you know why we were singing the songs? That's why we're singing the songs because when I said yes to him, supernatural power was released to bring transformation, to reset my entire being such that my DNA was rearranged and connected to his DNA. And now, as I continue to trudge forward in maturity, I'm being forged into his likeness because I was always made in his likeness. I've been restored to his nature. Because he's my dad. Have you ever seen a baby? And you're like, that boy looks just like his daddy. And then they have three more, and you're like, the whole family looks like dad. I'm so sorry to the girl. He looked just like your dad. Your wife was way prettier than like, I agree. Like what, like, what is happening there is what this is talking about here. Like, you have God on the inside of you. Your nature has been shifted. You no longer have the old, but you have something that's been completely transformed and renewed. And you are now on a DNA track to become like him. Can you screw up? Can all that get messed up? Yeah, you can try to jump tracks. You can try to do all kinds of stuff. But a DNA track, like I can try not to be a D, but my DNA dictates that that's going to be the case. And listen, I've tried not to be one. I have meetings with people. I've been praying an hour before, Lord Jesus, help me. And I get in there with my wife, and she's still kicking my shins. I don't know what's wrong with her. she got a tick or something. And I've got a big smile on my face. I'm just doing everything right, and I'm so encouraging in the meeting. And when we get done, I'm like, hey, how did do do? you do it? And she was like, well, you were too intense. I was smiling. I said everything I was supposed to say. She said, no, no, that's true. You did all the right stuff. But how was I too intense? It was in your eyes. (laughs) I can't get around it. Apparently God gave me intense eyeballs. I don't know what to tell you about it, right? God has laid a track in your DNA. He's restored your DNA to his image and nature. There's a track. that All you have to do is follow it, and you're going to be transformed into his likeness. That's what this is talking about here. Here's the thing. Listen to this. It gets way better. Jesus didn't have a sin nature. Think about that one for a minute. It says he was was tempted in every way, just as we are. Just as any other man on the planet was tempted, he was tempted in the exact same way, and yet he was found without sin. Jesus did not have a sin nature, so if I've been restored to his nature, if I am a partaker of the divine nature, what does that say now about my sin nature that I previously held? It's gone. It's gone. It died with Christ. We're going to talk much more about this in the next couple of weeks. It died with Christ. If you're a born-again believer and your sin causes you and the people around you to agree that you're just a sinner, that's like Patrick Mahomes losing a couple of ball games and him agreeing and the people around him agreeing that he's not athletic at all. Would you agree, Patrick Mahomes? Does anybody know who that is? Okay. I just wanted to make sure. I thought this was Kansas City, but just wanted to ask, would anybody... Does anybody in here think that that boy was not gifted by God to be a natural athlete? He's like Bo Jackson, good good at literally every sport he's ever done. Baseball, whatever, doesn't matter whatever he does, he's good at it. He's better than everybody at it. He loses a couple of games and then comes into agreement with a circle of friends who say, you know what, I don't think you're athletic. I I think this is the wrong career path for you, Bob. No, that's absolutely ridiculous. That's ludicrous, and everybody here would agree to that. It's equally as ludicrous for you as a born-again believer, just because you sin once, for you to go, oh, I guess I've fallen all the way back to my old nature. I guess I'm just, I guess I'm just a, I guess I'm just a filthy sinner. No, as is, is, is Patrick Mahomes still an athlete, good. Then you're still saved. You're still. Is he? Is he still an athlete? Good. Is, it, was that part of his nature and his DNA? Yeah. Well, guess what? You've been given a new nature and a new DNA. And that is not consistent with that of a sinner. It's consistent with that of a saint. All you got to do is get back on the horse. Repent. Get some stuff straightened out. It doesn't mean you're a sinner. It just means you were really dumb in that moment. It just means you've forgotten who you are. It means that you've forgotten who you are. Verse 5. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith supply, moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and, your, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. What's he saying? You're now empowered to do these things. Where before you were going to fall short and struggle and never attain it, but know that you should, now he's suggesting to you that you've been empowered by the cross and the resurrection to do everything that's on this list. You've been set free from the limitations that were previously upon you. You've been made just as if you never sinned. It means you can actually maintain biblical moral standards. Think about that. It means that those things which entangled you before, which you were a slave to, you now have power over. We opened up with this way with the word sozo. It doesn't matter what your baggage is. It doesn't matter what your mama did to you. It doesn't matter what that authority figure did or how bad you were burnt by the church down the street. Jesus paid a price for you to be fully redeemed, fully restored, and fully empowered to walk in a fresh new way. It even gives us a list. You have the ability at this moment to be, it says, in self-control and in control of your own passions. That's what it says. You have the ability to be godly just like he is. You have the ability to be kind no matter what you're facing and no matter what your enemy has said to you. This is what Jesus did. You have the ability to be patient, to bear long with one another. I love that it even throws knowledge in there. He's even released knowledge to you. See, it doesn't matter how many brain cells you burned up before. When you say yes, there's a supernatural transaction that's available for you to have your mind renewed, and not just your mental, not just your mental part, not just your intellect, but to be physically restored, just as if. So you thought you were irreparably damaged, but that's not true. The Bible says something different. Jesus paid a price for you to be made whole. Verse eight. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless. How many of you want to be useless? Oh, kill me now. Somebody called me useless. Uh, That's the worst. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful. How many would like to be unfruitful? to render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. For he who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. <laughs> so oh, this is important. It, it just gave us a list. Like, if you're not pressing into these things, you've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten who what Jesus did for you. You've forgotten the empowerment that was available for you to walk according to the divine nature and not the old. You know what it doesn't say? You're a filthy scumbag sinner. If you don't have these things and they're not increasing in their life, you're a filthy scumbag sinner. You piece of work. I, I was going to say something different, didn't you? Yeah, okay. No, it doesn't say that. It says you've forgotten who you are and what Jesus paid for. Isn't isn't this what we do in communion? we, We do this in remembrance of me. And I know we, we examine ourselves. Corinthians tells us that. We examine ourselves. We look, God, am I okay with man? Am I okay with you? I, you know, is there something I need to repent of? And, and that's okay. That's great. But I want to encourage you to also go, God, am I living out the fullness? This is what it says, rightly dividing the Lord's body. Like, Am I, am, am I, right, am I rightly applying the finished work of the cross and your resurrection to my life? such that I'm actually able to, not able to, such that I'm actively participating with the freedom that came with it? Or am I still bound by patterns of behavior and locked in the dungeon of certain thoughts that are keeping me from experiencing your victory? Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of the fact that I've released my divine nature to you, that you died with me on the cross. Do this in remembrance of the fact that I wish that all would be so -so sozoed. Be whole spirit, soul, and body. There was something else I wanted to share. It's in the tip of my, it's in the tip of my head, and I feel like it's important. What is it, Holy Spirit? Hmm. I don't know. Thank you, Jesus. Did I, did I say this? Say it again. I don't remember. I don't remember. I have the mind of Christ, though, so it's all good. Yeah, I, think I said it. I think I just didn't finish the thought. He doesn't call them a sinner when they screw up, he just says, You've forgotten who you are. If you're struggling this morning, you've just simply forgotten who you are. And that's why in this house we dig for gold, not for dirt. Man, you want, you want to find dirt, you know, five minutes of conversation with anybody to your left or right. You got more dirt than, you know. There's not a person in here doesn't have some, something somebody can complain about. You want to find dirt, dirt's easy to find. Gold? Well, oh, that's a different story. You ever seen a mom? I mean, recently we've had some on the news, you know, where, you know, I think it was a mom, a couple of boys, they, they went and shot up some cops or something. I remember they shot some people, killed some people you know and and the whole world's like send them to hell <laughs> like execute the full punishment of the wrath of god and the authority like Romans 13 you know like capital punishment send them away and and then they interview the mom and the mom's like those, those boys those boys are sweethearts then like you're like you don't understand they they're great kids they're just they you know they're just so they, they're just so sweet people love them and they, you know, you're like what are you talking about you crackpot lady and they just murder five people. But, but, but There's nobody like a mom. <laughs> there's nobody like a mom to be able to see through all the stuff on the outside into the gold that's in there. No, 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 no. You don't, you don't see what I see. I see something on the inside of it. I see gold on the inside of them, and I'm calling it forward. That's what this scripture is talking about. That's why we try to model that in this environment. We see somebody who's off kilter just a little bit. You say, hey, girl, you, you just, you've forgotten. You've just forgotten who you are. That's not who you are. That's how God's created you to be. There's gold in them there hills. (laughs) Let me pull you into who you are. This This is what Jesus modeled to us. You've just simply forgotten who you are. You haven't slipped into something else. Let me pull you into that reality. And then we wrap up in verse 10. It says, therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about your calling, his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, of course, it just gave us a list, you will never stumble. Don't you love this? Like the scripture just tells us, and for whatever reason, we just don't agree with it. If you practice these things, you're perpetually going to fall short until you finally escape into heaven someday where you only have the victory of the cross because you don't have it over here. That's not what it says at all. Why we come to that conclusion, I don't know, but it's contrary to Scripture. This says, if you do these things, you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and you're pressing into this stuff, you're on track. You're on a DNA track to be sharpened into his likeness. There's going to be profound fruit in your life. Just stay on track. It says, if you do these things, you're never going to stumble. You know, it's funny, I, I, I really uh, scrutinized over this. I, I looked it up in the Greek., I said, "Lord, is that, what is that What's that word "never mean?" And the strangest thing, in the Greek it means, it means "never." <laughs> you're never going to stumble. Oh, but, but, but you have to, because you're a sinner saved by grace. No. no, I don't have to. Because I was a sinner saved by grace, and now I'm a new creation and a partaker of his divine nature. Can you see the difference? One scripture, one is an excuse to remain as we were when he found us. We've not just been adopted and absolved of our punishment, we've been grafted back into our rightful place, into our rightful DNA. He's made us sons and daughters, he's given us his nature. That nature is no longer prone to sin. In fact, the Bible says, exclu- it says expressly the opposite. We're no longer prone to sin. We are now prone to righteousness, it says. Why? Because I've got a DNA track that I'm on. Because <laughs> I've been born again when I've got new blood running through my veins. And I'm going to be just like my daddy someday. Come on. Father, we want to we wanna, we wanna be like you. And we thank you (laughs) that when we look in the mirror, we don't forget what we see. And what we see is Jesus because we've got that DNA running through our whole system. We were made in your image. We've been restored to your image, your likeness, restored to your nature, made just as if we've never sinned. There's nothing better than that news right there. That's so good. And we partner with you in this victory, walking in the place of freedom, not being tripped up by that which previously entangled us. We say no to that. We forget who we were (laughs) in light of who we now are and who we're becoming. We thank you for the grace, your empowerment that you have released that allows me to walk according to your likeness and not according to the old man. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.